Amen. I appreciate the good singing and the good preaching. I feel like I've been to church, don't you? And I appreciate the goodness of the Lord. And I won't keep you very long, but I want to just uh, say a couple things tonight. And I'd like you to look with me. I've had this on my heart for several days. And I want us to look in 1 Kings chapter 3 for a moment. 1 Kings chapter number 3. And I want us to spend a few moments here. I appreciate the good preaching that we heard a while ago. And I'm tickled with this family. Uh, all this good singing and picking. Sound like a CD starting up there in a minute, a minute ago. And uh, I appreciate the work that goes into that. And I appreciate the Kendrick family. I have really one thing I want to say to you tonight, but it's going to take me a few moments to get there. First Kings chapter 3, I want to begin reading in verse 16. <clears throat> then came there two women that were harlots unto the king and stood before him. And the one woman said, O my Lord, I and this woman dwell in one house, and I was delivered of a child with her in the house. And it came to pass the third day after that I was delivered that this woman was delivered also, and we were together. There was no stranger with us in the house, save we two in the house. And this woman's child died in the night, because she overlaid it. And she arose at midnight and took my son from beside me while thine handmaid slept, and laid it in her bosom, and laid her dead child in my bosom. And when I rose in the morning to give my child suck, behold, it was dead. But when I had considered it in the morning, behold, it was not my son, which I did bear. And the other woman said, Nay, but the living is my son, and the dead is thy son. And this said, No, but the dead is thy son, and the living is my son. Thus they spake before the king. Then said the king, The one saith, This is my son that liveth, and thy son is the dead. And the other saith, Nay, but thy son is the dead, and my son is the living. And the king said, Bring me a sword. And they brought a sword before the king. And the king said, Divide the living child in two. Give half to the one and half to the other. Then spake the woman whose the living child was unto the king. For her bowels yearned upon her son, and she said, O my Lord, give her the living child, and in no wise slay it. But the other said, Let it be neither mine nor thine, but divide it. Then the king answered and said, Give her the living child, and in no wise slay it. She is the mother thereof. And all Israel heard of the judgment which the king had judged, and they feared the king. For they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to do judgment. Now here's a familiar account in the Bible. It's one that we have all heard. We've heard preaching on it. We've heard it since we were young, since we were children, about the wisdom of Solomon. And this passage that I've read in 1 Kings 3 is a direct response to Solomon's prayer. Solomon has prayed. God has said, you ask me what you will. And Solomon prayed. He said, I 
I'm but a child. I know not how to go out or, or, or go in or come out before this great congregation. And he asked God for wisdom. God said, because you didn't ask for riches, you didn't ask for long life, you didn't ask for your enemies. He said, I'm going to give you what you've asked for. And God gave him great wisdom. We have often heard the proverb and people use it still today, the wisdom of Solomon. And then immediately in this passage, there is this account that is, I think, God telling us and giving us an illustration of Solomon's wisdom. But I don't want to preach on wisdom tonight. When I'm looking at this passage, I want to preach a little while on the love of God. And I want to draw a conclusion about the love of God from this passage. When I come to 1 Kings chapter 3, I'm reminded that this is a passage about love. A mother who loves a son. It's love. The Bible said that God is love. I believe that's what the scripture said. The Bible said that he that loveth not knoweth not God. God is love. When I think about the love of God, I think about the first time that the word love or a form of it is ever used in the Bible. It's in Genesis 22. And in that passage, God says to Abram, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest. Get thee under the mountain, I will show thee of an offering there, a burnt offering unto me. So the first time love is ever mentioned in the Bible, it is not the love of God. It is parental love, the love of a parent, the love of a father. And I think I would say to you tonight, and you would agree with me perhaps, that the place that a child first learns about the love of God is supposed to be from their mama and their daddy. It ought to be that when a preacher stands up and said, God is a father, 223 times in the New Testament, God is called the father. When a preacher gets up and said, God is a father, every child in the congregation ought to say, well, if God loves me like my daddy loves me, I'm interested in knowing him. Unfortunately, a lot of fathers don't love their children the way they're supposed to. But here we have a picture of love, and it is the love of a mother for a child. I want to say a couple of things about this love of this woman. I want to say that this love covered her sin. Now, when you read the scripture here and you thought of the story, I wonder if you what happens to you happens to, or what happens to me when I read it happens to you when you read it. When I read it, I always forget something that the Bible says right at the beginning. This woman is a harlot. When you think of this passage and you get down the end and you get done reading about it, do you think of her as a harlot? No, you think of her as a mother. You know why? Because love covereth all sin. And what happens is her love has drawn attention away from her sin. Love covers all sin. Her love covered her sin. Her love also did this. Her love convinced her judge. 
Solomon was her judge. She, she woke up one morning, this child is dead, laying in her arms, and she looks at it and realizes it's not her child. Her child has been stolen, and so I don't know how many times she tells this story. I don't know who she told it to. I imagine it took a long time to get where she is in the presence of Solomon, and all of that way she's been talking, and no one has believed her. And now she's in the presence of the king and the king does not believe her. She gives him her testimony of what happened and he is unconvinced. But when he takes the sword and said, I'm going to divide the child in half and he looks at the woman and the Bible said her bowels yearned upon her son and he hears the things she says and looks at the look on her face and sees her love, he becomes convinced that she's telling the truth. You know what love does? It convinces people. I, I remember a story. I was preaching in a, in a service down in, uh, in Pine Bluff Baptist Church in Albany, Georgia, and I preached one service, and I made a statement about false doctrine. And after the service, it was Sunday night. I had traveled all day Saturday to get there. I preached Sunday morning in Sunday school. I preached the morning service. I preached the evening service, and I was tired. And after that evening service, a man walked up to me, and he said, I want a word with you about what you said. And I, I tell you the truth, I didn't feel like arguing. I, I was tired. I was afraid I'd say something that I shouldn't say. And I, I, so I looked at him and I said, I said, sir, I, I'd be glad to talk to you, but I, I traveled all day Saturday. I preached three times a day. I'm worn out. I said, how about if we talk about it tomorrow? And I, I figured he would not be back. He said, all right, tomorrow. So I walked in Monday night figuring he would not be there. Guess who the first person I saw was? I walked in the door. He walked up, put his finger in my face, said, I want a word with you about what you said last night. I said, okay, and I, I braced myself for the attack, and here's what he said. He said, you were exactly right. I said, I was? He said, yes, sir, you were right, and then he told me this story. He said he's raised in the Catholic Church. He married a woman, and their marriage did not work out. They got a divorce, and I don't understand all this. I, I don't know anything about it. I'm just telling you what he told me. He said, the priest told me that my divorce was not sanctioned, I think was the word he used. And he said, I was excommunicated from the church because of that divorce. And he said, I spent my life believing that I was cursed of God and could not be saved. And he said, I, I would hear a preacher on the radio, and when I'd hear a preacher, I'd turn him off, and I'd say to myself, I'm cursed by God. I cannot be saved. There's no sense listening to him. And so he said, one Thursday night, I was sitting in my den watching television, and there's a knock on the door, and my, my wife answered the door, and she said, honey, there's a preacher here. He was from the Pine Bluff Baptist Church just down the street. He said, there's a preacher here, and he wants to talk to you. And he said, I was in my den watching my television. I, I yelled to her, and I said, I tell him to go away. I'm cursed. I can't be saved. God hates me. I don't want to talk to him. Send him away. Next Thursday night, 10 after 7, there's a knock on the door. His wife said, honey, there's a preacher here. That preacher's back. He said, send him away. He said the same thing he'd said before. Next Thursday night, 10 after 7, knock on the door. Honey, the preacher's here. Send him away. He said, every Thursday night, he would come by my door. He said, it got to be if it was quarter after 7 on a Thursday night and the preacher hadn't knocked, we wondered if he'd had an accident. We said, we never would let him in. 
But one night the knock came on the door and my wife said to me, he's telling me the story now, my wife said, honey, the man of God is here. He said, man of God. This is the man of God. This is God's man. And he won't leave me alone. He just keeps coming back and coming back and coming back. And he's coming for God. He said, maybe God doesn't hate me. Maybe God does love me. Maybe there is hope for me. And he invited him in and the preacher led him to Christ there in the living room or in the den where he had so many times had said, I don't want to talk to him. See, love conquered and convinced. Her love covered her sin. Her love convinced her judge. Her love conquered her foe. Nothing else could stop the attack of this enemy that had taken the child away but love. Love. So I'm thinking about love and I'm reminding, I'm reminded that the Bible said love is the royal law. It is a supreme law. And we see in this story the supremacy of love. But we also see in this account the selflessness of love. Now stay with me. I'm, I'm, I'm headed somewhere fast. Not only the supremacy of love, but the selflessness of love. Here is a woman who shows us that love is not selfish nor self-centered. But love is selfless. Well, what do you mean, preacher? Well, love is faithful to the object of its affection. wonder how many times she's told this story. When she woke up and saw that she had the wrong child, I wonder if she told the neighbors. I wonder if she told the magistrate. I wonder if she told the sheriff. I wonder if she told the soldiers. I wonder if she went to the mayor. I wonder if she went to the governor. I wonder how long it would take her to get where she is in front of the king. Can you imagine how many times she has told this story. Can you imagine how many times somebody said, there's no use, there's no point, you're not getting him back. But she loves that boy and she refuses to give up. See, love is faithful. Faithful. Love not only faithful to the object of its affection, but love feels something toward the object of its affection. The Bible said when she saw this child stretched out and that man with the sword over it, the Bible said her bowels yearned upon her son. It's the same language we read in the New Testament when the Bible said Jesus looked upon the multitude and he was moved with compassion. It was obvious physically on her that she was touched over this boy. Love feels something. I get nervous I get nervous when my tears dry up. Because when you love, you'll feel something. Not only love is, is faithful and love feels something, but love is willing to forfeit. When it came down to the end of this thing and she looks at this boy and, and Solomon said, we're going to divide him. We're going to cut him in half, give half to the one and half to the other. What does she say, the woman that loves this boy? What does she say? She says, let her have him. What she's saying is, I'm willing to spend the rest of my life missing him with my heart broken rather than to see him hurt. Love is willing to forfeit. So you have the supremacy of love and you have the selflessness of love. 
But I want to go a step further in this passage and I want to talk to you about the Savior's love. Because you know what the love of Christ has done for me? The love of Christ has covered my sin. I'm not what I was. And just like when you start this story at the beginning, she's a harlot, but when you get to the end, she's a mother. When I started my life story, I was a sinner, ungodly, wicked, and deserving of hell. But now at the, I'm getting toward the end of the story. On March the 10th of 1980, God changed my life story. It covered, his love covered my sin and cleansed me. His love convinces my judge. Somebody said, someone has quoted already these verses, I think from second, uh, uh, 1 John 2 and verse 1. Uh, my little children, I write unto you that you sin not, and if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, which is Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sin, and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. Jesus is my advocate. When I sin as a child of God, immediately Jesus takes my part. He speaks for me. His love has covered my sin. His love has, has, has convinced my judge, and His love has conquered my foe. You know, all of our sin problems are love problems. We sin because we don't love Him like we should. We're no longer afraid to hurt Him. And so we sin. We love something else more than we love Him. So we have the supremacy of the Savior's love and we have the selflessness of the Savior's love. I don't need to spend much time here because you're already ahead of me if you're thinking. The selflessness of His love. He is faithful, isn't He? He not only is faithful, but He feels for us. He's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He's not only faithful and feeling, but He was willing to forfeit. The Bible said, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of flesh and being found in fashion as a man he humbled himself and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross. I gotta go on. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He forfeited for us. Now this brings me to my point. When I look at this passage, I'm reminded of the power of love. And I'm reminded of the love of God for sinners, for you and I. But here's my last point. Now listen to me carefully. Not only the supremacy of the Savior's love and the selflessness of the Savior's love, but I want to ask you a question about satisfying the Savior's love. Now, here are two women. One of these women loves this child, and the other pretends to love him. I don't know why she wanted him, but she wanted him. But she doesn't love him. And we can tell she doesn't love him. You know why? Because when Solomon says, divide him, what does she say? She said, go ahead. Cut him in half. Let him be neither mine nor thine. Just, just, just cut him in two. She doesn't really love him. But the woman that really loves this child 
She says, half is not enough. With me, it's all or nothing. Don't want half a child. I want him all. You see, real love demands everything. One day, some disciples came to Jesus, or they came and asked him, they said, Master, tell us, what is the greatest commandment? What's the first and greatest commandment? What was his answer? The greatest commandment is thou, this is Matthew, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy soul and all thy strength. Jesus said, here's the, here's the number one commandment. Here's the main thing. Here's what you're after. Here's what God wants. Here's what I want. I want everything. I don't want half a child. I don't want half a life. That doesn't satisfy this kind of love. The kind of love that this woman had for this child would not be satisfied with half a child. And the kind of love that Christ has for you and I is not satisfied with part of a life, part of a heart, part of a mind. The only thing that will satisfy him is everything. All of us. Nothing left out. He wants it all. I said to you a moment ago, our sin problems are really love problems. We love something or someone more than we love Him. We are divided in our affection. Moses, the Bible said about Moses, that man that led the children of Israel out of the promised land. The Bible said Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He could have very easily had a divided affection, a love toward God and a love toward the woman that had been his mother all those years. But he said, no, if I'm going to be used of God and satisfy God, God must have all my affection, all my allegiance, and all of my love and if we're going to satisfy him we're going to have to fall out of love with some things and fall in love with him he wants your love what kind of love is it that says well I love you with this part of my life I love you with this area of my life but I'm keeping this area for myself I love you with this part of my life but I'm going to rearrange over here and this has nothing to do with you what kind of love is that that's not love that's not love love says you can have all of me everything there is Nothing held back. All of my life, all of my hopes, all of my... You remember, you remember when you got married, you that are married? You remember when you got married? Do you remember this little phrase? Cleaving only unto Him. You remember that, ladies? Fellas, cleaving only under her. What was that? That was the natural thing to say. That, that, that's, that's only what's right. If you love, then we'll cleave only unto her or her only unto him. A divided love doesn't make anybody happy. 
doesn't satisfy anybody. It won't satisfy him and it won't satisfy you. You say, well, preacher, I, I, you know, I've got this in my life and that in my life and I, I want to keep this. I want to keep what I look at. I want to keep what I wear. I want to keep where I go. I want to keep what I do, but I want him. No, that won't satisfy him and it will not satisfy you. That'll be a relationship that's not loving like the Bible said. He wants it all. He wants it all. He wants you to come and lay it at the altar and say, all right, Lord, I'm not holding anything back. I'm not keeping anything for me. I'm not hiding anything. I'm not covering anything. I'm not treasuring anything. It's all yours. Everything I have, everything I am, I'm yours. Lock, stock, and barrel, nothing held back. That's the only thing that will satisfy the kind of love that Christ has for you and I. And the truth of the matter is, it's the only kind of love that will ever satisfy your own heart is when you give everything and hold nothing back and say, I'm yours, Lord. I'm yours. He wants it all. So I have a question tonight. I have a question. My question is, what are you holding back from the one that loved you and loved you so much he died for you. What are you holding out on? What have you have hidden? The Bible said, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You know what he was saying? He's saying this divided life will not satisfy. This divided love will not get the job done. That's Brother Jason preached the other night. They told me I was ill. Brother Jason preached on, set your affections on things above and not on things of the earth. What's it talking about? Divided love. I'm going to love the world and I'm going to love him. No, it never works that way. It won't satisfy you and it won't satisfy him. If you want your heart to be satisfied and his heart to be satisfied, you can hold nothing back. You have to let him have everything. You have to surrender and yield everything because that's what his love demands and that's what satisfies him. I want you to bow your heads a moment. Your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. And my question tonight is, what are you holding out on? What is in your life that you've said, I'm I'm keeping this for me. I'm holding on to this. And the result is the powerlessness our preacher preached about, the unsettledness of our lives, the wandering back and forth, the in and out, the up and down. It's because somewhere there's something you're hanging on to and you refuse to give. You refuse to let him have it, the one that loved you with an everlasting love, the one that died for you on the cross of Calvary. I was preaching one night on the love of God, and I got done preaching, and uh, I had not... The next night, this young man came, and I was preaching near Fort Stewart in Hinesville, Georgia. And the next night, this young man came, and he, he said to me, Preacher, he said, you know what I did after church last night? I said, what? Now, I don't, I don't know. If, apparently, he lived off the base he said, I went home after church last night. I had rock and roll uh, uh, CDs. I, I threw them away. He said, I had some posters on my wall, and I tore them down. And I looked at him, and I said, I didn't preach on that last night. He said, no, you didn't. He said, but you preached on the love of God. 
And he said, when you told me how much and reminded me how much God loved me, I decided I couldn't let that stuff go on in my life because it was an affront to God and I loved him too much to let that continue in my life. You, let me ask you something, Christian. You know how much he loves you. There's no question about it. The question is, how much do you love him? Do you love him enough tonight to get on your knees at an altar and say, Lord, I'm yours, everything. I'm not holding back. What I have hidden, what I've kept to myself, what I've denied, what I've refused to deal with, I'm not holding it back anymore. You love me too much for that. I want to satisfy that great love wherewith you've loved me. No more divided loyalties. No more half in, half out. You want all of me, Lord. I'm ready to give all of me, everything I know, the best I know how. The old songwriter put it this way, all to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. That's what he deserves and nothing less. Nothing less. Father, help us tonight in this invitation. You've already worked in our hearts so wonderfully tonight. Lord, I pray tonight we'll root up some things. We'll look at that great love wherewith you loved us, and we'll say, Lord, I, I've not been living up to that love. I've got to get rid of some things. I've got to get some things right. I, I need to forgive somebody. I need to get some bitterness out of my heart. I need to turn some things off and throw some things away. Lord, I, I, I've, I've got to stop this divided loyalty in my heart. Lord, I pray you, Holy Spirit of God will convict us, and you'll be satisfied when we leave because of how we love you. I pray you help us tonight. In Jesus' name. Before I finish praying, our heads are bowed. Maybe there's somebody tonight say, Preacher, I'm not saved. I don't know the Lord. Would you remember me when you pray? I'd like to pray for you. Would you lift your hand? You'd say, pray for me. I don't know I'm saved, but I'd like to be. Thank you. I see that hand. Somebody else. I don't know that I'm saved, but I want to be. Will you pray for me? I see your hand there, young lady. Won't you come tonight? We'll get somebody to help you. You can get it settled. Father, help us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. We're standing. She's playing on the piano. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. God dealt with your heart. Won't you come stay at the altar till you get it straight? Come say, Lord, I'm not holding out on this anymore. Not anymore, Lord. You've been too good to me. You've loved me too much. No more holding out. I'm going to let you have everything, Lord. Is he speaking to your heart about something in your life? Won't you do something about it tonight? He's speaking to you because he loves you. If you're not saved, won't you step out and come? We'll get somebody to help you. Are you going to sing something, brother? All to Jesus, I surrender. Go ahead and sing that, will you? All to Jesus, I surrender. All to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence daily live. I surrender all 
time watching a mama and a daughter sitting on a couch and the daughter was going through some struggles and having some real difficulties and nothing seemed to help her nothing seemed to get through to her and I was trying to help them and I couldn't seem to help them and that that daughter looked over at her mama and her mama's heartbreaking and tears coming down her cheeks her shoulders heaving as she sobbed over that daughter and everything that had been said that had not moved that girl she looked at her mama weeping and sobbing over and her heart broke and she said I'm sorry mom I'm sorry mama and her life changed I wish tonight somehow we could look into heaven see the heart of our God breaking over our divided loyalties and our holding back and we look him in the face and say I'm sorry Lord you love me too much for this and we on our knees tell him we're sorry and get our hearts right I think that would satisfy him tonight I want you to sing one more verse, will you please? All to Jesus I surrender. Make me Savior, holy thine. Let me feel the Holy Spirit. 